1: Thank you.
2: What's going on Bulls Nation? Welcome in to CHGO Bulls Podcast presented to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. America's top rated sportsbook. Download their app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. i Peck. You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore Peck. My guys, Big Dave at Bow bWL Sports Bow. and Mark K. MK Hoops on Twitter. Our pal producer Joey hanging out in the background. What's uh, What's the album, Dave?
1: That is Anderson pack who I keep telling you about Matt That's Anderson pack in and knowledge. That is no worries. There's no worries. That's just another side group. He has this album came out a few years back. It is really, really great. Really, really incredible. You'll never hear it, but it's really great. And it's really incredible and awesome. And I suggest people pick it up their new album drops this year. Yes. Correct. Correct, Joey. Yes, Lord. Yes, he understands.
2: Do you yes. Do you listen to it when you are in the mood of having no worries? Or do you listen to it when you are being bogged down by worries and want to put your mind at ease?
1: That is a great question, Matt. Um, I listen to it whenever I'm feeling anything. Like it works in any time. Like if you have no worries, listen to it. If you've got a lot of worries, listen to it because it will, you know, help you have no worries. So no, that's a great question. It's a great question. I, like it. I have no I, idea I who mean... these
3: people are.
1: I understand, Mark K. Trump. You're in the same <laughs> right. boat with Matt. I put yeah, you in that yeah, same we're, boat. I, we're I we're, we're behind on you. a similar level on that level. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't try to bombard you with it. You know what I'm saying? I don't – you know well, what I, I mean? I just show it. it to you, let you look at it, and keep it moving. Matt tries to dip his foot in every once in a while, you know, because oh, that's just who he is. You know what I'm saying? It's just who Matt is. But, yeah, man. But I understand. Trust me. I get it. All right. If anyone's don't dipping, dipping their, their feet in
2: anything – it's the foot guy on our bull show. Bull shows, Mark. Mark's the foot guy.
1: <laughs> Why do you this, say That doesn't that, like, give him ideas. Yeah, that just gives him ideas. I don't 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 say these things to him. It doesn't help. Well, I mean, no, <laughs> n-
3: not if I'm going to be known as the foot guy. <laughs> Maybe I'll I'll uh, what's the name? I'll rethink my position on 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 this whole thing. Like, if you're going to call me the foot guy, I'm, I'm not going to do it again.
2: i mean i feel like you did that to yourself mark how how are you we haven't had with you since the uh since the holidays
3: yeah i know yeah it's been what 10 days seven days something like that yeah i'm okay guys i'm back from my um my trip away for a little bit so good to see you all hope you have both had a, a good and fun christmas or holidays whatever you celebrate and with your family and friends so and obviously to the listeners as well hopefully everyone's safe and well and enjoying their the the festive times here so yeah now I've been good um it's been good getting hot and warm here unfortunately so I'm glad we're recording this in the in the morning my time that way because I can uh, crank up the AC later on and uh, not interfere with the um what's the name the audio quality but I'm good I'm I'm happy to be talking balls with you guys again having said that yeah don't you can just I just say I am now the lesser mark <laughs> yeah I, I hate summer I hate summer I'm a winter guy. But uh, I, can I just say I am now the lesser mark of, the, of, of CHGO Bulls because uh, Mark Carmen did a fantastic job while I was out as well. So, and, and obviously whilst Will, Will was uh, out as well. So shout out to Mark Carmen who is now the, uh, the superior mark on CHGO Bulls.
1: The superior mark? I didn't know this was a competition. <laughs> I like this. All right. <laughs>
3: well, it's not a competition. He he's firmly, <laughs> firmly better family better. all
1: right <laughs> um we'll keep you around that
2: cannot be we true like because i heard carm tell us on postgame last night that he thinks grayson allen is a nice guy so that yeah. one take alone <laughs> just bumps carm all the way down to the bottom of the barrel as far as people who talk about the bulls get yes, out of yeah. here with that
3: carm. yeah i mean that's a fairer bottle that's a fairer bottle you won't be hearing that nonsense from me i suppose <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right, Bulls are off today, but we are here with y'all, Bulls Nation. Um, wanted to talk about a few things. Later on in today's show, we're going to take a closer look at this Bulls win-loss record against quality opponents and lesser opponents because it's starting to drive us crazy. But before that, Big Dave, I know that you wanted to dive a little further into Zach Levine's shot action um, and what he's doing on the ball and off the ball.
1: Yeah, um, Mark Mark you probably don't well obviously you're not privy to this because you don't watch the uh, games with us but one of the things I continue to harass Matt with is Zach Levine catching and shooting the basketball uh from three. It, it just bothers me to know end that he doesn't do it more. I understand why not having a point guard there you know to facilitate and to find him open to get him the ball uh, like Lonzo did a lot of the times uh last year. I get it I, I trust me, I understand it. But I really think things need to be drawn up for him to be to have more catch and shoot shots. Um, And I'm just specifically right now talking about the three point shooting. Uh, That's all I want to get into, because obviously because the Bulls struggle with that and I'm trying to find it wherever I can. And Zach is a really, really solid, uh, really, really good three point shooter. But he's even better when he's doing the uh, catch and shoot. So I I had Joey make up a graphic. Uh, Joey, can you put up a graphic, please? Either one uh, you want to put up, sir. Uh, I'll work with whatever you whatever you like to show. Uh, first of all, that's called catch up fire, Joey. That's not catching fire, that's catch a fire. That's how I wrote it in there. Um, the pull up, and that's a Bob Marley album. It's a Bob Marley album, by the way. Um, so I wanted to show the difference between the, the, the two that he does the most, which are pull-ups and which are uh the catch and shoot. Those are the two that he really does the most. You saw the frequency with it. He, he more um pull-ups with the 21%. Um, the attempts slightly, a little bit more with 3.8 as compared to 3.6. But the biggest thing, put that back up there please, Joey. The biggest thing is the percentage. Look at the three-point percentage. 32% on the pull-up. 40, damn near 44% from three when he's on a catch and shoot. When he does the catch and shoot, It's so effortless. It's so smooth. There's no real fade. Zach has a tendency to kind of catch it and fade um, for some reason or another. He's done that the amount of times he's been here. He likes catching and he likes to fade. But when he's doing a catch and shoot, it's a straight-up shot, and it looks so fluid and so smooth and so easy. The pull-ups, we saw him do one yesterday uh, that wasn't a three-pointer. He uh, hit him with the step back, toe was on the line, shot that nice pull-up, went in for two. But in general, he does not shoot a high percentage on those pull-up threes, man. And the catch-and-shoot, like, when you're shooting damn near 44%, that needs to be utilized and incorporated in your offense much, much more. It has to be. Uh, Joey, show me the second one, please. Um, the second one I, I went to, I went and looked at the dribbles. Went and looked at his dribbles. And what he shoots on that percentage when he's taking. You see zero, you see one, you see two, you see three six, you see seven plus. Now, to be fair. The seven plus, he does the least, all right? He does that the least, to be fair. It's the worst, but he does that one the absolute least. The zero dribbles is the one he does um, the most, I believe, is 3.7 attempts. But the problem is, the one tie for second is the three to six dribbles. (laughs) Like, that's the problem for me. It's the three to six, and he's shooting 31% on that. So, clearly, he is better when he's not dribbling or he just takes one. I will take that 38%. Uh, every single day, I will take that. But I need them, Team uh Zach or whoever, to see this kind of thing and say, "Huh, maybe he's a little bit better when he is just not dribbling the basketball. Maybe we should run him off a few more screens. Allow a guy like Steph Curry or wh- whoever shooter you want to name, and allow Zach to get open on these shots. On the baseline is where he always was shooting very well from three, uh from over there too, where he would just post up there and then the guys would find him that way. But He needs more catch and shoot. That's what he needs. He needs more catch and shoot, ladies and gentlemen. And you see the numbers right there, man. The zero dribbles with 42%. It's laughable. And that's why I wanted to show it because it's laughable for me. It's not even really close. You know what I mean? That that it shouldn't be more catch and shoot from Zach Levine. And it shouldn't be dribble, 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 shoot. No, I need him to get the ball, square up, go up, cash money. We we get more of that, you'll see better three point uh percentage and attempts from the Chicago Bulls.
2: Mark, where do you on all this?
3: Disagree? Yeah, I I definitely don't disagree, and I don't think anyone in the world does disagree with you, Dave. Um, and and I would love to see Zach shoot more threes. He's one of the best pure shooters in the NBA. Whether you're talking from two point line, three point line, whatever whatever situation, just his stroke more generally. Just watching it, it it is art almost. So it's a beautiful looking jump shot and he's super efficient at it. So I think everything you noted there is, is correct. Uh, I'd love to see him shooting more threes. I probably want him to see, want him shooting um as many threes as it does, as he does twos, to be honest with you. There are times when he does settle for, the, for that mid-range shot where I'm like, okay, well, could, could this not be a three? Because you're shooting like mid 30 uh, mid 30% from the mid range where on right. corner threes, for example, you're shooting 39%. Threes more generally, you're shooting 37%. As you noted, Dave, when he's catching and shooting, it's above 40%. So he's a lethal shooter. Completely agree. But you sort of touched on it, and this is where I come back to it. Like, how much of this is a product of Zach, the player, the coaching that is being implemented, or the structure of the offense, or the sorry, the structure of the roster around him? Like, what percentage is all of this sort of culminating towards? I guess that's the interesting part, like the part that I always try to work out, like, all right. Is this, is this a, like 50% on Zach, for example? Like maybe this is just a mentality thing where he wants to get his mid into that mid range. Dave, you mentioned like he likes to step back and fade away. Like, is that just a thing like he likes doing? Because the, the, the guys he idolized growing up, that was the thing they liked doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, ter- in terms of Billy's offense, does he want him getting off ball more, shooting more threes, those sorts of things? I think he does. But how much can he get that happening with if Zach doesn't necessarily want to do that or every single time or to the rate that maybe we want him to? And then, like, I come back to, like, given the roster construction, the fact that DeMar and Zach are really the only two guys who can get the ball off the bounce and do something off the bounce, how many opportunities are there, I suppose, for him to be off-ball in these sort of catch-and-shoot scenarios? Uh, It could probably only really happen when he and DeMar are on the court together because when one of them, like, if DeMar's off the court, for example, more more often than not, not, you would assume that Zach's going to have the ball in his hands. So it's a product of probably all those three avenues and just sort of trying to to discern – where it all sort of sits and h- how much is attributed to where. I think that's the interesting part. But I, I completely yeah. fundamentally agree with everything you've noted. I would love to see him shoot more threes. Every time he does get a catch and shoot three, particularly in the corner, I just assume it's going in because more often than not, and not that it does. So I uh, completely agree with your thesis, Dave. But uh, I'm just wondering how uh, applicable or how we can uh, apply it more, I guess. That's, that's the interesting exactly. part to me.
1: That is the question, correct. Uh, Um,
2: getting some of our viewers in here with some comments that apply to this conversation. Review say Zach, but not because of Zach high level talent indeed, but not quote the guy. Meanwhile, our guy saying, I think Zach's making better decisions within the offense. He's either driving to get foul calls or doing a drawn kick, better awareness of the game moment. His ball handles though. Yikes. Um, (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I think both of those comments bring up interesting things. The whole win with a guy, but not because of him. I saw Bulls fans talking on Twitter last night about, like, hey, man, you know, here's a DeMar king in the fourth and DeMar king of OT. Is it a problem that Zed wasn't involved in this win late in the game? I mean, those people conveniently forgot that Zach Levine actually hit two threes and drove the basket, draw a foul, and made two free throws while the Bulls' fourth quarter comeback okay mm. that happened let's not ignore the fact that that happened but mm. is it because of Zach Levine's shot selection that that is a ongoing narrative with Bulls fans about who is the guy on this team because people seem obsessed with that idea that Damar is Batman and you know Zach is Robin to borrow a phrase from from Mark's best friend Joe um, <laughs> like I, I just don't think that <laughs> that's a great eye roll I don't think that people are aware of the fact that Zach is helping the bulls win when he's playing like Zach. And unfortunately yeah. and frustratingly for the first 20 or so games of the season, Zach wasn't playing like Zach because he was coming back from off season surgery and trying to play his way back into shape. Obviously Dave, what you're talking about as far as catch and shoot versus his pull up numbers off the pull. Yes, of course I agree as well. It's interesting to think about when the bulls are in these clutch game scenarios and Zach's not involved. Is it because of the ball handling being an issue and turnovers being an issue? But I mm-hmm. thought the drive and kick he had to an open shooter who then missed was a great drive and kick. Correct. He hit two threes of his own. He drew a foul, got to the free throw line. Zach was involved in the Bulls stealing that game from Milwaukee. Whether or not we're, we're thrilled about how he's shooting off the dribble right now.
1: Yeah, no, no, if we're getting into that, there's absolutely no doubt you don't win that game <laughs> without him. <Yeah. laughs> you absolutely don't do it, man. Yeah, Joey is stupid. You absolutely don't do it. You don't you don't win that game, guys, without Zach Levine doing Zach Levine things. I mean, look at the team this year, man. You, you touched on it right there. Like, you can say all that stuff about Zach, but when Zach's not playing well, guess what? <laughs> the team ain't going to be on. You know what I mean? It's just not going to be a thing. It's when Zach Levine is looking like Zach Levine, that they're a better basketball team because Zach Levine is really good at basketball. I could, I could care less about a number one option on this damn team. My number one option is win. That's my number one option. I, I don't give any damn who does what. Okay? If he's hot, roll with it. That's how I feel. I saw Vooch be hot and they continue to feed him. I saw Zach when he dropped 40. I saw him be hot, and they continue to feed him. When DeMar is doing DeMar shit, you continue to feed him. That's what you do. You always go to the hot hand. That's how it rolls like that. And you continue to do that. And, yes, it will work that way for the Chicago Bulls going forward. I don't care if he's second. I don't care if he's first. I care if he wins. So that's what it's all about for me, Mark K. Like it's just it's really about winning. Cause I know one thing Zach Avine doesn't have on his resume, and that's a long resume of winning. You know what I mean? I don't care if he's number one or number two option, it ain't been winning. And that's all I want it to be for Zach, man. So that that's my main thing with him.
3: Yeah, but like if Zach was the number one option on this team just by proxy of his contract or whatever, because he was here before Damar or whatever other nonsense people want to say. You know, he has to be Batman or Robin or... Yeah. Anyways, I will leave that alone. But, I mean, it, 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 he would just be miscast in that in that role. Like, Zach isn't a number one option on a team that's trying to win 45, 50 games or whatever it might be, or even more. Like, that's just not who he is. He just because he's earning a max contract doesn't mean he has to be a number one option. Just because DeMar is taking more shots or he is the number one option, that is not a bad thing. That is actually the right thing. Why is that anything that anyone's whining about? Like, it's it's the right thing. The, the, the hierarchy of the offense is correct in that nature. And Zach can be a particularly effective in that support role. And, I mean, like the Bulls in closing halves like more recently, they've been running DeMar, DeMar, Zach pick and rolls. And, and in those plays... Essentially, Zach is setting the screen and then flaring out to the three-point line. So in those in those set pieces, Dave, he's doing exactly what you want, where he's getting out to the three-point line. That is by design for him to space out to force the switch to get to the three-point line, which Great. then allows Demar to get downhill to get to his mid-range. But like the first option in that set is Demar, as it should mm. it should be. Like Demar has earned that, you know, through the fourteen years of his career, but more generally, what in what he's been doing here in Chicago. He's been super efficient in the mid-range. He's been super efficient as a closer. And Zach just generally hasn't been doing... Hasn't been that. And, and, like, I, and that's the part that doesn't make sense to me. He's miscast if he is the number one option. Demar is perfectly cast in that option. So I don't I don't understand why the people talk about it. I don't understand why people care about it. It's perfectly aligned. The only reason people talk about it is just to draw, uh, draw up some... Uh, some nonsense or trying to, you know, force division amongst the team Um, when, you know, we we saw it when DeMar DeMar hit that game winner against the Knicks. Like who was one of the first guys to get there around him? It was Zach. Zach was happy for his dude in that specific moment. So would would Zach like more opportunities to shoot the ball? Yeah. So would every freaking NBA player who's ever played the game. But he's not going to be unhappy when his guys, uh, you know, taking those crucial shots in those moments and and draining shots. So it's all a bunch of nonsense. Uh, It's perfectly fine the way things are set up and the hierarchy is set up more. uh, Perfectly. But back to your point, David, and now it's just an understanding of, all right, how do we read, redistribute some of Zach's shots? Do we do away with some of these mid-range shots to get him some of these three-point shots? He's been doing really good at getting to the rim, actually. like He's he's actually 68% at the rim right now in terms of finishing. Mm-hmm. It was down below 60% earlier in the season. So as you noted, Matt, like Zach's getting back to it now. He's 68% at the rim. His career high is 69%, which was last season. So he's mm-hmm. getting back to who he was. His knee's coming around. He's perfectly fine as the number two option. People banging on it about it are just uh, wrong. I'll say it like that. I've got other thoughts, but I'll just say they're wrong.
2: Um, yeah, speaking of thoughts and opinions that are wrong, Eric in the comments saying, no, that's not a max contract. That's a super max deal. At least in my opinion, anything over 170 is super you max just say okay? You well, just well say I mean, it's actually actually wrong. congratulations on having cool. an opinion that is based in being <laughs> factually incorrect. If you want to keep having that opinion, Eric, you go right ahead. But exactly what our guy McBaconator said, and said as well, Mark, just because people are on a max contract doesn't mean they have to be your number one, they need help win. And Eric. It's a max deal. It is not a super max deal. Those are two differently defined things as far as NBA contracts and the CBA are concerned. Zach Levine was not an all-NBA player last season, therefore did not qualify for the thing that is called a super max contract. He just got a regular max contract. If you want to have an opinion that is just you not understanding how NBA contracts work, then go right ahead. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. For
1: fuck's sake. Dude, he's, he's yeah, like the I mean, 16th highest yeah. paid player in the NBA right now. Like, he, that's right where Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday are. You know what I mean? Like, he's right. It's not a super max. Like, okay. All right. I'm sorry. That that, that was no. Okay. Go ahead, Mark. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry.
3: Nah, look, I was just going to say the same thing. I mean, I, and I've written about this more recently when I revisited uh, the Zach Levine contract and, and, and wanted to, to touch on that again because me, you guys, we were all proponents of giving Zach the, the max in the offseason. I wanted to take a look at it again five, six months later down the track. I'm still of the opinion that it was the right decision for a number of different reasons, if for no other reason that MBA economics just dictate that. And 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 Eric's sort of making a point here that I noted in that, in that post that whatever we think a max deal should be or who should be on a max deal is irrelevant. <laughs> it doesn't mean shit. I'm sorry to say that, Eric. I'm sorry to say that to me, who sometimes, uh, you know, raises my eyebrows at some of the contracts that are that are sent out to players like it doesn't matter what we think all we have to do is be objective about it look around the league and see who else is earning dollars and if zach's contemporaries guys who are similar players are earning max dollars if Devin booker is going to be given a four-year 200 million dollar supermax extension the same amount of dollars that zach got over five years let alone four years then we just have to think about it through what is actually happening around the nba and we don't do that enough maybe because we're so bulls focused so i get it but uh you know the, the whole contract thing's perfectly perfectly reasonable but we've uh we've gone on off att- on a tangent here i feel
1: no one in more my thing, opinion, like wait bulls wait are till first the money the goes the east up.
2: right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: wait, wait till that money goes up next year is all i'm saying it didn't look exactly Levine's card. just wait till it go it's going to be like when he got that Last contract, Matt. Do you know how pissed people were when he got that last contract? $20 million. Get the run out of here. We're like, wait till the money goes up. This is going to look like one of the best contracts in the league. And as soon as that money went up, they're like, man, he's kind of underpaid. It's going for what he's getting. It's going to be the same thing. It's going to be the same. Ugh. All
2: right. <laughs> uh, there's another person in this conversation that, where we started on this conversation anyway about Zach and his shooting <laughs> and where he's doing his shooting from and That's Billy Donovan. And I want to talk a little bit more about what Billy might do as far as offensive scheme to try and get Zach some more of the good shots as, a, as opposed to the the lesser quality shots. So We'll do that after the break. While we're telling y'all how to save some money and get some awesome products, hit that thumbs up button if you're watching a lot, along with us live on YouTube or if you're catching us after the fact on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button. Big Dave! They know
1: My sunglasses were so expensive, y'all. They never understood it. They didn't get it. Why sunglasses were so damn expensive. So you know what? They got on a boat and they sailed across the seas because they set out to change it. And that is Shady Ray's. Shady Ray said, we will offer you, you, you beautiful people out there, those premium polarized shades featuring that world-class optical clarity, sustainable durability and styles catered to everyone and every lifestyle. A day. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The best part about Shady Rays, y'all, that most insane protection program and all the buywear that I like to call the Matt Peck Lost and Broken replacements plan. That is. If you break those shades doing something like watching a Bulls game, or sticking your head off off of a mountain and they fall off your face. Whatever you like to do. If you do this on day one, Shady Rays will get you a brand new pair. No questions asked. 200,000 five-star reviews let you know that Shady Rays is doing something right, ladies and gentlemen. So exclusively for y'all listeners out there, Shady Rays is running that deepest deal of the season. Use that code CHGO for 50% off of two or more pairs at ShadyRays.com. That is a buy one, a get one, free, what they call that, Matt Pack?
2: BOGO. That's
1: a BOGO <laughs> for the Lolo, a 54 fofo for show Redeem only at ShadyRays.com where you can find all their newest and best shades because it's Shady Rays where the Rays are just oh so damn shady. Mm.
2: Today's episode also brought to you guys by Comed. The Comet Energy Efficiency Program is committed to helping the businesses in the communities they serve, manage energy usage, and lower energy bills now and into the future. Comet offers a wide array of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, and public sector customers of all sizes across their territory. Customers can inquire about... How to upgrade outdated lighting to energy and money-saving efficient LED lights. Learn more about network lighting to operate your lights through your mobile device. And track your facility's energy usage and more. Incentives have recently increased for indoor-outdoor lighting and lighting controls, making those projects even more cost-effective than before. Saving energy, saving money. Who doesn't want that? So here's what you do. Visit ComEd.com slash... Powering mm. bit that's B I Z to start saving money and energy. To start a project, you can contact them at 1 855 433 2700. That's 1 433 2700. For more information, email businessee at comed.com or public ee at comed.com. Mm-hmm. So, gentlemen, do we think that there's something Billy could and should be doing to get Zach Levine? more catch and shoot opportunities in this bulls half court offense, because we see him get those opportunities. Sometimes I believe, you know, Dave, when you looked at those numbers, it said he's averaging maybe three of them a game, just over three catch and shoot threes a game. How do we get that trend closer to five or six catch and shoot threes, as opposed to three of them and three or four pull up off the dribble kind of catch and shoot threes? Because The other element to that is this team that doesn't have a point guard and Zach and DeMar being primary ball handlers. Mm -hmm. Do we want to get IO more involved or dragage or whoever as more of a point guard to facilitate and let Zach have these plays run for him, but where he is having a play made for him off the ball, because it seems like there is an opportunity to
1: do that. Yeah. For me, it's, it's, I'd like to see him with dragage. Um and try that a little more because is you know, is more of that traditional kind of point guard, you know, can come off that pick and roll and, you know, maybe find that open man out on the perimeter when the defense kind of collapses on him because he hits you with that fate. He can hit you with that fadeaway, which you kind of draw in the defender at the same time. He could do those kind of things. But also when I think of it, I think of Alice Caruso at the same time. And when I think of Caruso, I think of him getting that ball and being the one swinging it you know, swinging that ball to Zach in, in the corner or swinging that ball to Zach at the elbow uh, for the three like that because he can run um, the offense as well. Like Markay always points out how, how much better they are running their offense when Caruso is uh, the, in the game, period, point blank. So I just want to see more options with that and with Zach being the primary guy on the floor. I don't know if it would be better or worse with uh, Demar on the floor. i just know what it looks like now with Demar on the floor and them doing it. And he doesn't get, you know, as many opportunities. And I'm not saying it's Demar's fault or anything like that. I'm just talking about what it looks like. Um, so I'd like to see it where he gets those opportunities where, where Zach is basically the primary guy and the point guards and the guards in the ball is just, it has to move as well. Like if Zach can't get it and then, you know, kind of go to sleep with the ball, you know what I mean? Like it gets a dribbling around, you know, and, doing those Zach Levine things that I cannot stand. I need him to be constantly moving on some of those plays as well, because that is how those shooters get the open as well. The constant movement, if the ball is movement, Zach has to be moving as well, coming off of those screens. So you, you want Drummond in there, who's a great screen setter as well. Uh, Patrick Williams, who sets those screens, who refs are also looking at a little bit more now when he's setting those screens, but he's a big body that you want in there setting those screens. So I would like to see those kind of lineups uh in there man to try to try anything because you can't have something that works this well and and do it so few times. Like we gotta figure something out, uh marque where they can get the ball. And maybe maybe you can look at it uh, a little more differently because you break the X's and O down, Xs and O's down a little uh, a little bit better. So but that's what I, I'd like to see. I'd like to see um yeah either Dragic uh or Caruso be those guys on the floor setting and running the offense and Zach the guy who's moving around you know catching those screens catching that extra tree and getting that pass and shooting because he can shoot from anywhere he can be logo levine we've seen it happen he can shoot from anywhere man but yeah i just want those things to go down
3: yeah i think i definitely again i, I, I agree completely with you there. um so and I, the point that I want to make is like there's there's obviously different types of catch and shoots as well. Like there's the movement catch and shoots. So I think that is something that Billy could do more and Zach could do more, getting running off, uh, running around. You know, numerous screens. The way the Kings sort of used Kevin Herter, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, AK, in the comments before, I think made, mentioned like Ray Allen, Reggie Miller, like you, your classic movement type shooters. Rip Rip Hamilton as well was a guy who just constantly mm-hmm. moved, got to the mid range, not necessarily three, but those dudes were constantly moving to get to their shot, and they, and that's. That, that's one aspect obviously, and then there's just the catch and shoot where Zach's not necessarily having to move, but someone else has broken down the defense uh, yeah. you know they've got into middle, Zach's guys had to help off help 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 down into middle, and then the balls come back out to him, he's spotting up and, and obviously you know he's shooting that shot so there's multiple ways we can look at this, but in terms of movement shooting, like this is the part where I find difficult to answer. And I don't want to blame one single person because this is this is one of those things where I don't think we can answer ourselves without knowing what's actually happening in the background if we're being fair and objective about it. And, and the reason I say that is, how much of is this on Billy's, you know, system philosophy, the way he wants his guys playing within the offense, or how much is this just Zach, who Zach is? Does he not want to move off ball in the same way that Richard Hamilton did or Ray Allen did or? Kevin Herter, insert whoever that type of player is. No one moves like Steph Curry because it's freaking hard to do one. Like to have that stamina is one thing. So maybe Zach just can't do that because his athletic base or his conditioning isn't at that level. I assume it is because he's a super athlete, but maybe it's not. Or maybe he just doesn't want to move like that. I don't want. I, I don't know. Maybe he wants to get on ball. Maybe his instinct is to to as soon as he gets the ball on the catch to put it on the floor and and have a few pound drills to survey the uh, to, to survey the floor. Like that would be my assumption that that is his natural tendency, and that's why we don't necessarily see him in that sort of uh, that that role moving like like we want him to. But again, it's an assumption. But maybe it is on Billy too. Like maybe maybe they could do more of that. And, and we we go back to the the athletic article from a week ago where it sort of vaguely referenced that Zach and the balls and and maybe Zach and the coaches weren't necessarily aligned. Like is one of the things that on they're not aligned on, like how he's being used. Maybe he actually wants to be in these situations more where he is moving off the ball and running off the ball in, in, in a way, like uh, Eric's in, in the comments here saying, you know, maybe he wants to be like a Devin Booker or a Bradley Beal or a Kobe Bryant or someone like that who's sort of on ball and, and doesn't necessarily want to be working off ball like that, like in a more quote-unquote role guy sort of way. I don't know what the answer is. I think ideally, Dave, I, I completely agree with you. I'd love to see him moving off the ball like that. But um, I just don't know if it's in him to do that. But coming back to the other catch-and-shoot option, like that's where it becomes more roster-based because, Matt, you referenced before, like this team doesn't necessarily have a lot of point guard options or at least don't have options who can necessarily get downhill, break down a defense, run, pick, and roll, create advantages and get the ball out to, to shooters who ideally Zach would be one of those shooters. So uh, it, it really depends on what type of catch-and-shoot we're talking about. But if we're talking about Zach as a movement shooter, I think every single person agrees with that. I, I just don't know if it's something that Zach wants to do. Um, and Matt, the, that, that's part of it. And maybe another product, product of it is maybe just he hasn't been able to do it in Chicago just because of our personnel and, and, and what's been happening over the years.
1: Markay, let me, let me ask you a question. Um, yep. Because when you when you said that about someone breaking down the defense and, you know, mm-hmm. obviously kicking it out to the open shooter and things like that, yep. the first person I thought of was Lonzo Ball. How can you – can is there a way – that you can incorporate how that was working for the bulls with Zach Levine? How can Zach be in that role that Lonzo was in? Cause Lonzo didn't have any problem uh, being over for that catch and shoot because obviously the defense was being broken down. The ball was swinging over to him and he was just wide open uh, for the three. How can you incorporate that uh, with Zach and not in, 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 in place of Lonzo?
3: Yeah, well, this is, so for Lonzo, he had the benefit of being out there with Zach and DeMar. So that, that's helpful, obviously. Like he's got two guys on ball, two of the best isolation scorers in basketball, mm-hmm. two, you know, guys that can drop 25-30 on anyone's head any given night. That's so true. the fact that they just force so much defensive attention, naturally, Lonzo is going to be open from that point of view. So how how can Zach be in that role? Well, you need another guard out there with DeMar to sort of be that on ball creator. And you mentioned it, Dave, like maybe you need more Dragic out there. But I mean that that that's the the way the Bulls go about it based on who they have on the rosters. Dragic is a really good pick and roll creator. Maybe you have him and Demar being your your on ball guys, and if Zach is willing, then have him sort of act as that third piece. Maybe it, I, when when I say third piece, I mean like on ball reps. On you know the, the amount of guys, the amount of touches I get on an offense, I might be finishing the play, but maybe I'm not creating the play. So in that instance, he's the tertiary creator. So for Zach to be in that Lonzo role, in the sense that I'm shooting seven, eight threes and they're mostly coming off catch and shoot, you need another guy on the court along with Demar who can create. It has to be Dragic in that situation because I have more confidence in him doing that than than I or Caruso or Kobe. But you know, unfortunately, Dragic is 36. He has his own limitations. Playing him, you know, forces other issues as well. So I think that's the problem for the Bulls. Like their their point guard rotation can be strong, but at, at, at any given moment, it can be. I guess, not strong as well. It can be problematic. So if Dragic doesn't have it all of a sudden, then you, you've got Io out there with Zach and Demar, And if Io is not necessarily confident enough to do things off the bounce, then unfortunately, Zach has to go back into that role where he's back on ball. And this movement-type shooter that we're sort of talking about, that that, that specific role sort of disappears, unfortunately.
2: Um, Richard in the comments asking, can we agree that Zach is basically Tyler Hero if he's just catch and shoot? I don't know how this Tyler Hero comp came up. I saw it earlier in the comments as well. Well, first of all, I mean, Tyler Hero isn't on the verge of averaging 25 and five times for the third consecutive season right now. The break's on that garbage. But (laughs) hypothetically speaking, if you shoot guy, then he's – I think it's a weak comparison. But that's not, I don't think, what we're suggesting here. We don't want to turn Zach into a only catch-and-shoot guy offensively. We're just talking about bumping the frequency of his catch-and-shoot opportunities up and shaving Mm -hmm. off or shaving down some of his three-point attempts off the dribble because we have seen Zach be able to be a three-level scorer in the NBA. He's He's finishing better at the rim now in this recent stretch of games, as Mark pointed out. Somebody else in the comments pointed out that in this recent stretch of games, his assists are up over five per game, his turnovers are down, We've seen, we talked about him driving and kicking in that win against the Bucks last night. He is a multifaceted offensive weapon and not, and that's, we're not talking about turning him into a just catch and shoot guy because this team does need Zach to facilitate sometimes despite the, the ball handling issues that we know Zach has and the turnover, you know, tendencies that we know Zach has, and we need him to attack the rim and we need him to shoot threes and we need him to shoot a variety of threes. No mm-hmm. one is asking him to just be a guy who runs around screens all night and catching yeah. and shooting because he can do more than that for this team and he needs to do more than that for this team.
3: Yeah, yeah and look, after- I've got the numbers in front of me. Sorry, Dave. I, I, just in terms of like sh- shot frequency, in terms of where it's coming on the court, like 32% of his shots are at rim, uh, 29% of his shots are at mid-range, and, and 38% of his shots are threes. So what we're effectively saying here is can... You know, that 29 number, the, the 29% at mid-range, can that maybe trickle down to 20% as an example? Then what do you do with that remaining 9%? Obviously, you want that going to shots at the rim because as I mentioned before, Zach's shooting 68% at the rim. That's really nice. And, and to your point, Dave, as you've been illustrating here, whatever the, you know whatever's left over of that 9%, can we get some more of that at the three-point line? So rather than taking 30% of your offense from three, can that be 45%, for example? And of that 45%, can we have more of that be catch and shoots? So that's what we're effectively saying. We're not saying we want Zach to shoot all of his attempts from three and all of them be catch and shoots like some specialized role guys if he's Kyle Korver. That's clearly not what we're saying. Uh, we, what we're trying to say is, do the things you're better at, which is getting at the rim where you're shooting almost 70% and shoot more threes, which you're really good at. But by the way, you're freaking awesome at catching through shoot uh, threes. Can you do that more often? That's a, that's ultimately what we're saying. And it's just about how that happens. So, yeah, we're definitely not saying turn Zach Levine into uh, Tyler Hero or Kevin Herder or insert whoever movement shooter you want. All we're saying is can he implement some of their tendencies into his game, not become those specific guys.
1: Yeah, when you, when you want to be better, you know, you, and you see you do something that's really, really good, you're like, yeah, I'd like you to do more of that. That doesn't mean I'm trying to turn you, you know what I'm saying, into yeah. a pure three-point shooter or a pure dunker or whatever. You know what I mean? I'm not yeah. trying to turn I'm just trying to add that more to your game because obviously the Bulls are lacking hard in three-point shooting. So why not give a guy who can, who is – Clearly good at it doing a catch and shoot, get him more opportunities to do it. And not just say, like you said, turn him into Tyler Hero, Reggie Miller, all those guys like that. No, give him more, give him more things added to his game, which will in turn make him a much better player. That is what you do in the NBA. You add stuff to your game, man. So I just want something added more for Zach Levine's game to elevate more, which in turn will elevate the Bulls. Uh all
2: right, let's take another quick break here when we come back. On the other side, we are going to shift gears and have a conversation about this Bulls team beating all the good teams and, uh, or not all, but beating lots of good teams and losing to most of the bad teams. What the heck's going on there? Uh, Big Dave, tell the fine folks listening about pins and aces and the great deals on the great merch.
1: You know, if Will the Goat Leave was here, I would be talking to him about pins and aces. In golf apparel because he is the Tiger tomorrow. Woods of the CHGO He gets Bulls. back
2: tomorrow.
1: He'll be back very soon. Oh, can't wait. But he'd be the one I'd be talking about because he is the one that gets out there on links and does his thing. And now, since he does that, I want him to look good doing it, y'all. And that's where he goes to Pins and Aces, the official golf apparel partner of CHGO. They are family-owned golf and apparel business. They make those amazing polos, those hats, those golf bags, and for when Matt Peck wants to tag along, that beer sleeve, the innovative product that allows you to store seven of them things right inside your golf bag and keep the drinks frosty cold the entire round. So check pinsandaces.com, use that code CHGO to receive 15% off your first order and get yourself some free shipping while you're at it. That is pinsandaces.com, because if you look good, you play good. And if you play good, it's all good. Pins and aces! Let's go, goat.
2: go, Goat! Today's episode also brought to you all by our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. When I throw down on NBA action, it's got to be with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official betting partner of the NBA and our official betting partner at CHGO. New customers, when they sign up, can bet just $5 on any NBA money line of any NBA game. And if your team wins that money line bet, you will get $150 in free bets. Plus, everyone can combine multiple bets for a bigger payout with those DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Bulls have two games this weekend, Friday night, Saturday at back-to-back, Pistons and Cavs. Put some parlays in there, have some fun, and make some money. Demar points, assists, Io steals, or made threes, whatever you want. Put it all together for bigger odds and bigger payouts. Because we are off Tuesday. Today is our DraftKings pick of the weekday. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at tonight's action in the NBA, and I see the Grizzlies on the road taking on the. Uh, well, let's let's be honest. The wilting Toronto Raptors. Grizzlies are road favorites, but only by three. Grizzlies minus three right now, minus 110. I like the Grizzlies to cover that fairly easily. And if you are so bold, I might even advise pushing that, setting your own line for the Grizzlies to cover minus four and a half against the Raptors tonight. That gets you plus money at plus 110. That is my Mm -hmm. DraftKings pick of the week. Going with Big Dave's guy, Ja and the Come Grizz on. on the road. One more time, don't forget to use that promo code CHGO when you sign up at DraftKings Sportsbook. Mm. All right, guys. Um, the Bulls. Joey, can we take a look at the Bulls' <laughs> record real quick, broken down at who they're playing? So here you go. Top three teams in the East, that would be Boston, Brooklyn, Milwaukee. The Bulls are 5-1. Against those teams. If you want to lump in the six seeded Miami Heat currently, that's seven and one. Above 500 teams, at or above 500 teams across all NBA competition for the Bulls thus far this season, they are right there at 500 themselves. 11 Mm -hmm. wins, 11 losses. And Mm -hmm. then there you see when the Bulls have played teams that are currently below 500, they are four and eight against those teams. Gentlemen, I know we touched on it a little bit after the Rockets' loss and then the Bucks' win, which is now Bulls fans expecting the unexpected based on the level of quality we think this Bulls team is. Last season, the Bulls were mediocre, beat up on the bad teams, couldn't beat the good teams. This right. season, it's flipped, and I don't understand it, and it's frustrating as hell. What do you guys think about this trend, and do you think it's changeable for the back half of the season?
3: Yeah, go ahead, Marque. Well, I, look, I'm, I'm equally as frustrated. It, it's 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 annoying because as, as as everyone has noted, as you just noted, as we routinely say on this podcast, this team couldn't beat good teams last year. That was an issue. They've seemingly fixed that now. Now they can't beat shitty teams. It's annoying. Like it, it's really frustrating. And like particularly when you think about the losses, like who they've come to and how they've happened. Like, even if, like, if Vuce just hits his free throws against, uh, what's saying, the Magic, then, you know, obviously that's a W. If the Bulls just don't lay an absolute egg to the Rockets mm-hmm. and win that game, the game they should have won, then that's a W. If they don't play terribly against the Spurs and Wizards earlier in the season, now, granted, mm-hmm. the Spurs and Wizards were playing a lot better at that point in time. They're not as bad as what they are now, but nonetheless, they should have been wins based on, uh, you know, the expected goals of all these teams,
1: mm-hmm. but
3: it, like the, this is the part that I just the frustrates me. Like even if they just play it at a mid level, uh, you know, standard in, against those teams, they're W's. And if they are, this team is like okay, they're only a couple games above five hundred. Maybe people are still not uh, you know pleased in watching that type of basketball, or not or not uh, happy watching a team that ultimately probably won't win a title. Maybe those thoughts are still there, but maybe they the, the volume of those thoughts are turned down a bit. But nonetheless, like. To me, it's just so much missed opportunities this season thus far. And I, I and look, this came to head, obviously, against the Rockets. Like, is this just an application issue? Like, do these do these guys, for whatever reason, think that they can just roll up and beat the Houston Rockets, the, the, the San Antonio Spurs, the Orlando Magic, whoever it is? Like, it kind of feels like they think they've done something in this league as a team. Like, it feels like they like they were the Lakers of the of, of the 3P era Lakers for example who could just roll up and just play whoever they want didn't care if they win or lose come playoff time like they would they would come out and uh, get things sorted hell maybe they think they <laughs> maybe they think they're the 96 bulls for some reason but it just, i just i just get that that vibe from them that they feel like they've done something last season to earn the fact that they can just roll up and not necessarily apply themselves go balls to the wall for 48 minutes and that's frustrating because a lot of their identity from last season was built around playing that type of manic style basketball where irrespective of who they play, were playing, they were going to beat up on pit teams, which is why they were so good against you know poorer teams last season where it just feels like for whatever reason, they, they feel like they can chill on that identity now and they can just roll out there and, and beat a team like the Rockets, which is just stupid thinking because
0: mm-hmm. the
3: league hasn't been, uh, I guess there hasn't been more parity in the league for a number of years. So that's just the frustrating part. Like I just had a feeling yesterday that they were going, going to beat the Bucs because this is what they've been doing all season. They're 4-1 four and, four and against the Celtics in Bucs, but they're 1-4 against the Rockets, Magic, Hornets, Spurs, and Thunder, which just makes no sense at all. Like, how, how you as a team... I mean, it makes perfect sense because this is who the team has been all season, but then it also makes no sense because... How do you take these teams so like w- with no respect almost? And, and like that's the frustrating thing. Like, just play good defense, respect your opponent, and you're actually going to have a winning record. Right now, we wouldn't be talking about blowing up this whole damn thing. So, uh, a lot of it's controllable, and that's the frustrating thing. They just haven't controlled what they can completely control.
1: Here's some good and bad news, depending on how you want to take it. The Bulls going forward have the second easiest schedule in the NBA. <laughs> So how have you want to take that? Is that good news? Maybe. Is it bad news? Maybe. Um, Depending just showing they, they, I think you hit on what I wanted to say, Mark K, which is they play with an attitude that they haven't earned. And yeah. they play with a sense of, oh man, we can just come back and do that. I'm like, that's the attitude of like championship winning teams. Like when we were watching mm-hmm. that Rockets game and the Rockets got off to that uh start, Matt, and I told you, I was like, well, you know, they're going to come back. They're going to let them back in the game because they're the Rockets. And yes, that's what happened. They came back and they let them back in the game. But then the Bulls forgot to look at the clock and realize it was the third quarter <laughs> when they got the lead because it's like they packed it in after they were like, all right, we're good, we're done. Let's just coast here from now on. Wasn't going to be like that. And they have to understand every single night is going to be that kind of fight. It hasn't clicked for them yet. In several of these games, they have come out against these lesser teams. These lesser teams have just jumped on them from the beginning. They've seen the good teams jump on them. And for some reason, they, they're able to pick it back up, you know what I'm saying, and get back in there and do that thing correctly. But against these lesser teams, like you said, the Rockets, the Magic, you know, teams like that, they get off to these starts and they just think these teams are going away. You know, and they're just going to give it back to them and they're going to, over. Oh, oh, man, we're playing the Bulls. Oh, no. You know, like. Them kids don't remember Jordan. You know what I'm saying? They don't. They don't remember Pippen. You know? You can't. Imp- there is no imposing your will on this team, on these young teams, because you haven't earned the will to impose yet. You haven't gotten to that level yet. You still have got to earn it game after game. They're not looking at the contract, saying Zach Levine signed a max deal. Oh man, like that's it's not intimidating. You know what I'm saying? They just know Demar Derozan is going to do his thing, and everybody else they can probably you know compete with. Young team who doesn't know better is very scary. People with nothing to lose is always a scary thing. The Bulls have to come in with that same mindset every game, not just against the good teams, but against these bad ones as well, man.
0: Big Dave, I said it to you last night. Yes, yes, sorry. the This logo is totally blocking my, you know, everything I've got going on here. Beautiful face. Not much, not much. I'm going to ignore that <laughs> comment. Uh, if, I said it to you last night, but it feels like that. If, I didn't know how to word it exactly on Twitter, but if every night it feels like there's a moment where the bulls are playing in a pickup game and the other team just called out, Oh yeah, we're at 19, by the way. Like, you know, and we're playing up to 21. The bulls are like, shit, we got to, you know, like let's, we, we got to string some stops together. Like, and it's frustrating as hell. Like, you know, can we come out from the beginning with a level of seriousness. And, and that's, you know, like I think big Dave mentioned it very briefly the other night. I know we're going to hit on Billy in a little bit. I think there's a lot that you can't point the finger at for Billy, but I do think that as a coach, I mean, listen, these guys are professional players. They've got to, you know, they've got to get up themselves to, to get, you know, to want to win the game, but Billy's got to get them, you know, ready to go. And so that's, what's just frustrating watching them have these moments every night. And it's been all season. Yeah. Thank you, Joseph.
1: Um,
2: you can, can we take a look at, at the uh, thoughts from Billy about this issue? His team has, because uh, I thought it was interesting. This is uh, via Casey Johnson his post game write up last night. We talked a lot about going into, tr- uh, talked a lot going into training camp about playing against the best teams. I think we've competed well against those teams, but some of these other games, I think we haven't performed and competed and we have against some of those playoff teams. It's good to see us compete. We've got to play like that all the time. We just do. We all have to hold each other to that standard. And his Mm -hmm. two leaders on this team, DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine, echoed those similar sentiments after the game. And, Big Dave, it seemed like you and I maybe disagreed a little bit when we first brought this up, uh, I think, in pregame last night about Mm -hmm. Billy taking responsibility for that after the Rockets game. Whose responsibility is it to not dig yourself a 10-0 hole against a team that has the fewest road wins in the league playing on your home floor and then also a giganticer hole later on in the first quarter because Gigantic. you overlooked them? I, I – okay, yes, Billy has certain things on his checklist that he needs to make his team and his players aware of before mm-hmm. the ref throws that ball up at the beginning of each game. To me, that – is not something that an NBA coach has to do is say, Hey guys, don't overlook this team because duh, every game matters. Every opportunity to get a win matters. But these words from Billy and the the similar words from DeMar and Zach are like, well, yeah, we just got to play that way all the time. So why don't you? That's the infuriating part. I think.
1: See, and the reason I I disagree with that, Matt is because to say that would be to say everybody has that same mindset. That would be to say that common sense is common. And it's not. Some people have to be pushed and told those things all the time. We can talk about Patrick Williams all day long. You know what I'm saying? Like he has to be told things that normal people don't have to be told to do. You know, like that's just that's just what it is. You can't go in assuming they already know just because Zach and Damar know, just because Vooch knows. Well, maybe Io ain't got it. You know what I'm saying? Maybe uh, Patrick ain't got it. You know? Maybe uh, uh, Dragic is chilling because he played too much last night, and he's trying to relax against this lesser team right here. That's that's on that's on Billy. Like he's got to have those guys ready to play. Like, and that's why I mentioned Tibbs to you. Like the one thing about Tibbs, how have you felt about him? You were ready to play every night. They it didn't matter. It didn't matter who he put out there on the floor. They were ready to play every single night. It was going to be a dog fight. That's all you ever heard from the opposing teams. Oh, man, it's going to be a dog fight going and playing against the Bulls. It didn't matter. They were going to be ready to play. It didn't matter if they were playing the Jamico Saints or if they were playing the Lakers from the 80s. It, it was going to be ready to play every single night. Not all of that is on Billy. Definitely, uh, you have to – some of that is definitely on the players for sure. No question about it. They've got to be prepared themselves to come out there and not be embarrassed because they're the ones who are going to be embarrassed, not Billy. But he's got to have those guys ready to play, man, every single night. And he said it in that quote right there, man. You just said it. We talked a lot about play, beating those good teams. We talked a lot about that. He didn't discuss that. He say we talked a lot about just beating teams in general. Because in his head, he's like, well, I ain't got to tell you to beat these lesser teams. Wait. Well, yeah, That makes more sense as a goal to set for yourself after a season in yeah. which you
2: did beat up the bad teams Correct. and you Correct. couldn't beat the good ones. So training camp. Here we go. We're going to focus sense, on right? beating good teams. Mm-hmm. Common and sense, way, right? It's also keep beating the teams that are less talented than we are. When See, that also part. That
1: little, detail. that little detail. That one right there, Matt. <laughs> that one right there. Some people need to have that stuff. You know what I mean? Everybody isn't a self-starter. Everybody isn't just completely totally motivated on those things. It has to be like that. You have to you have to get on everybody all the time sometimes. Especially now, you see the record. It's showing you you got to get on their ass. I hope he gets all in their ass for this Detroit Pistons game, man. Like I hope he tells them like it's game 7 of the fucking finals. Like they got to win this game, man. Like going in, there. they have to. They got to win this game.
3: I think you're both right. I I probably lean more with Peck here than than you, Dave, but I think what you're both saying, there's elements of truth in in both things. And and this is a thing that I think we more generally get wrong. And by we, I mean every single human alive. There can be multiple truths at the same time. So whilst I agree that maybe it sometimes... Like Billy needs to maybe re- read the room. Maybe his guys just mentally exhausting themselves in the previous game. Maybe they're just not on it the next game for whatever reason, even though they should be. They're, you're playing a team like the Rockets who are okay. They're, 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 they're at the bottom of the West more recently. They have been better, but nonetheless, you're a team who should beat this team, who's traveling, who's 3 and 13 on the road. Like You should beat them. Like You should inherently know that. But sometimes, for whatever reason, people just don't know that. Maybe it's not a a whole thing. Maybe it's just not a person's personality all the time, but maybe that needs to be reinforced in a specific moment. But I do agree with Matt that it is absolutely ridiculous that sometimes these things need to be reinforced. So I I think you're both right, ultimately. But I I guess the one thing I would say here, and and coming back to like player tendencies and trying to... Again, it's hard for us to completely know these things. We're obviously looking at it from afar, and, and similarly to how we were talking about Zach and whether he wants to move off-ball and play the, the way, like the, the way we'd hoped he could play, maybe more of those catch-and-shoot roles. Like maybe it's just not the tendency of these guys to be like that every single time. And like Dave, mm-hmm. for example, like those Tibbs teams. Yeah, Tibbs had those dudes prepared every single time, and, and he would get on them and prepare them in that such way. But at the same time, he was fortunate to have guys who are absolute dogs like Joe Noah, Derek Rose, Lil Dang, go through the whole freaking roster, Taj Gibson. They all wanted to play like that. That would that were bred that way, those guys. So, you know, Tibbs can say all the right things, but if he has a set of guys like he had maybe early in his early days in Minnesota, like around Carl Towns and you know Andrew Wiggins or whoever it might be, who just don't have that natural tendency to play that way in them. You're going to get spotty results, I suppose. So maybe the Bulls are very similar in this way, whereby you know Vooch, Demar, Zach, you'll see them on occasions bring it where they're down and they get back into games. Like we saw it against the Bucks yesterday, like Demar willed the team to that to that win on both ends of the ball. One of the earlier wins that they had against the Celtics, the Bulls were down big, but they came back and with resolve and showed that resolve to get back in the game. And yeah. like you, you see it in those instances. But then you see them get down, beat to the Houston Rockets or the Orlando Magic or whatever it might be, and then you're just wondering, why are we even watching the same team? So I think a lot of that comes back just down to like the natural tendencies of this of this team, and the fact that they don't really have that rah rah guy, they don't have that in their coach. Billy's not that type of coach, but they don't also have sort of personnel on the court as well, which is maybe a floor of the roster. Maybe like, and we've spoken about this before, like they need their Joe King, they need their Dream on, they need someone to get on their ass. The, say goon, the say goon. Say they goon, need that freaking they... goon Yes, <laughs> they need that goon so maybe maybe that's something uh you know ak needs to go and find uh you know that type of guy but um i, I think it all i think it's all it's all part of it i guess is my point like it, it's not yeah. one thing and uh i think you're both right in this instance yeah
1: yeah it's all part yeah right. uh, i agree uh, with that
2: yeah I mean the the thing is that this team and we've we've mentioned it before has such small room for error as far as the way it's constructed, and so you yeah. can't get away with lackadaisical effort nights or even lackadaisical starts and digging and exhausting yourself digging out of a ten or fifteen or twenty point deficit, and then try to bring back bring yeah. all that energy because more often you're facing a team that's hitting more threes than you or it's more athletic than you et cetera, et cetera. there's no room for error and there's especially no room for error when you're not trying even though you're playing the rockets tonight or even though you're playing mm-hmm. the thunder tonight uh and, and as big dave you mentioned we'll see we'll see what this trend does and if it continues or if they correct it in the back half of the season when mm-hmm. they have the second easiest strength of schedule remaining is this a good Mm -hmm. thing or a bad thing right now? It looks like a bad thing. The (laughs) way that the bulls play going up against lesser competition. Um, Yeah. Very, very fascinating. And we're going to get another example of this dichotomy back to back when we play the Pistons on Friday Mm -hmm. and then the very, very good Cleveland Cavaliers on Saturday. Um, that's it for today. We are out of time. Thank you everybody for hanging out with us. Hit that thumbs up button. If you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed to our CHEO sports YouTube channel. And one more shout out to all of you who have for helping us reach that 23,000 subscribers plateau last night during post game. That was awesome. Appreciate each and every one of you subscribers to our channel out there. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter. Mark is MK Hoops. Big Dave is Bow BWL Sports. Bulls underscore Peck. We are C H O underscore Bulls. Our pal and producer Joey is at Joey Spath. Follow him as well. Uh, we will be back for pregame tomorrow night. Bulls Pistons tip off 7 p.m. Chicago time. So that means we will get things rolling with pregame at 6.30. For mm-hmm. Joey and Mark and Big Dave. Peck saying thanks as always, Bulls Nation. Appreciate you. And we'll talk to you soon. See you, Red. Right? Be good
1: piece.